vision. Your paradigm is about to shift at the intersection of fact and reason. You're entering Kingston Country. I'm Dan Kingston, and you're listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. Even if the president should be impeached, history is going to question whether or not this was just a partisan lynching or whether or not... It's Joe Biden in 1998 defending President Clinton, saying people are going to say, you know, was this just a partisan lynching? That word lynching that now he's apologized for using. Joe Biden has apologized for using. Of course, Trump has not apologized for tweeting out that word lynching and defending his own impeachment inquiry, calling it a lynching. And you're not going to hear me defending that word. I don't think it's appropriate to use. Causes a lot of hurt. What happened with lynching is, is a horrible stain in our country's history. And I see a pattern that Trump uses of stirring up racial animosity whenever he gets his back pressed against the wall. So I don't like the the good people on both sides. I don't like shithole country remarks. I don't like uh, the go back to where you came from uh, remarks. And I, I think most people, if you have to be honest with yourself, you're sitting there, you're listening, you say, I don't like that aspect of Trump. But you know what you do like is that he wins. He's a winner. So you don't really mind the strategy he uses. That's what they don't get about you. That's what people don't get. They think you're racist. They think Trump's base is racist. Maybe even Trump thinks his own base is racist. That's the problem, because you're not. You're just sick of the lies, and you're sick of the outrage, and you're sick of the constant you know, racism, and then it's, hypocr- it's hypocrisy. It's hypocritical, too. And it comes from the Democrats who saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here they are, talking about race all the damn time, and they're the most racist of them all. They don't believe in equality. Oh, yeah, they believe in equality for their, you know, certain groups that have the most political points, I guess. You know, it's like a, a politically sexy group, and then you, you deserve equality. But uh, if you're not one of those sexy minority groups, you don't get nothing, according to the Democrats, as opposed to more of a holistic approach that I think a majority of Americans believe in, we believe in equality. Uh, we want an equitable uh, uh, society as well. Don't forget, there's a difference between equality and equity. You need a combination of both to create a really fair society. And uh, what's a fair society? A fair society is not where everyone's equal. But a fair society is where the people that are talented and that have merit, they get pushed to the top because that's what benefits a society is when the most talented individuals uh, are, are up there doing the things that they should be doing that helps us, right? As opposed to putting people in the front of the line who maybe aren't so great. <laughs> they didn't deserve to be there. Yeah, I'm thinking about the Hollywood elite that pay for their kids to go to Ivy League schools and, you know, the old money stuff or the trust fund kids that a bunch of BS and the immigrants that cut to the front of the line and take advantage of the RH1B visa system, for instance. There's just a whole ton of it. Basically, what it comes down to is no longer left versus right. It's no longer Republican versus Democrat. It's a neo-lib con versus the rest of us. You may have heard other phrases like neo-lib, rhino, neocon. I put them all together. I say it's a neo-lib cons versus the rest of us, right? So that's what it comes down to. we got to put aside our petty domestic differences and focus on what's really at stake. 
these endless wars that are bankrupting our country and just killing us literally in every which way. And it's my generation that's doing this, that's fighting these wars. You know, you got the baby boomers are trying to convince the millennials to fight the wars they're too old to fight for themselves. Let them fight the damn wars if they want to. Let the elites uh, let the let the kids of the elites fight the wars is what I'm trying to say. I saw a great Twitter post about that. You know, there's about as many um, uh, Uyghur, they call them Uyghurs in China, locked up in concentration camps as there are Kurds in Syria. So which war do you want? Do you want the war with China or do you want the war with Turkey? Who are we going to save? Of course, you know in your heart of hearts that war never is the solution do humanitarian crisis. In fact, war just exacerbates humanitarian crises. We know this uh, from history. And how often is it that you can just bomb one target and the, the whole people are saved? I'm saying, if you can do it, if all it takes is bombing a target and all of a sudden you save a million people, bomb the damn target. I don't, I'm not objecting to that. I'm saying you can't send 50,000 troops on the border of Turkey and Syria and expect that to save people. I mean, you save one group of people and you're killing another. You're just picking winners and losers over there, and it's not even our place to be. This is Kingston Country. Trump clearly has overstepped with the Ukraine policy. I do not understand why you withhold military aid from Ukraine against the Russians uh, in exchange for some kind of political investigation. I don't care how corrupt Joe Biden is. It's just unsavory. It doesn't make much sense. I think uh, the Russians are not the threat they're made out to be. The Cold War is over. Who cares about their sphere of influence? Let, their, let them have it. You know, their tiny sphere of influence. Who the hell cares? Half their nukes are probably drunk and dysfunctional, like uh, like the people are themselves over there. The dominoes. The dominoes are falling. Wasn't that a bunch of uh, baloney? Like we know now. That the spread of communism is a bunch of sh nonsense, right? So who cares if Hungary or Turkey you know, falls into the Russian influence? It's because we have all the nuclear weapons stationed there. Is that why? I thought we had like the nuclear triad. We got nukes everywhere. Why do we need it so badly to have these nukes in, in Turkey or wherever the hell we might have them? You know, we got the air supremacy. We got stuff we can send down from satellites, you know? If not, why not? We should have satellite lasers by now that should be able to zap people and assassinate people. I'm sure the NSA is working on that or the CIA or whoever. Secret agency is in charge of satellite defense. You know, laser beams on sharks, that's nothing compared to laser beams on satellites. But don't forget, um, yeah, Trump uh, doesn't look pretty with this Ukraine thing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh yeah, Trump's uh, completely innocent. Uh, he's completely uh, innocent. It's baseless. It's baseless. I'm not going to lie to you about this. Like they're lying to you about Biden. Trump looks like uh, he's corrupt just like the rest of them. But I'll tell you one thing, he's keeping us out of war in the Middle East. And for that, I think he's being punished. You see, um, this all started within days of Bolton being fired. You remember that? Bolton. You know, Bolton certainly is getting his payback. You know, these um, politicians, they do corrupt things every day. You think this is the only uh, corrupt thing Trump's done? No, it's just the thing that Bolton knew about. And, and Bolton was pissed off, and so Bolton leaked it. 
Likely Bolton's a whistleblower. I, I didn't come up with that. Michael Savage had that idea, who I, I like and I listen to. Other people have had that suggestion that maybe the, the whistleblower is Nadler. That's what Trump said. Either way, um, it's kind of irrelevant. The fact is that this is an obvious deep state takedown on a president who's trying to steer us out of the Middle East and out of these endless wars. And that's a real no-no. Um, like I've spent a lot of time talking about, the deep state is basically owned by the military-industrial complex. So what you have is a shadow government. And you've heard a lot about shadow diplomacy with Giuliani. You have a shadow government, non-elected officials. They're beholden to nobody. They... Uh, buy off politicians with the military industrial complex, but not just that they have dirt on politicians, you know, on our own team. And they use that to force our politicians, your elected representatives to do their bidding. And, and mostly that happens to be war. Okay. In the middle East right now, that's what it is. And no matter what you think about it, um, the money that they get, from from the military industrial complex and the secrets that the deep state has on them it's just too much it's too much it's more powerful than than your vote and so they they have to twist it in a way where you don't realize that they've been basically compromised and trump is compromised he's been compromised but instead of playing into it Instead of saying, hey, uh, you know, okay, you know, you got me. I'll do whatever you say, like most of these neolibcons do, by the way. And that's what they, I call them, a neolibcon. Trump is fighting it. And for that, he's been punished every step of the way. They spin it and make him look as absolutely as horrible as possible. And he's unconventional uh, politician. He's unconventional president. So it's pretty easy for them to make him look like dirt. And that's exactly what they're doing. Tuesday, yesterday, President Vladimir Putin committed his military to joint security patrols with Turkish forces to enforce the ceasefire in northern Syria. Yes, there is a ceasefire. Of course, you don't hear much about it because I thought Trump just abandoned the Kurds to be slaughtered as the simplistic, lobotomized portrayal of what's happening that they're not correcting. We know now that Erdogan was committed to the invading and if Trump had left our patrol of, I don't know, 50 to 100 troops in there, likely would have been captured or hostage or we wouldn't have ever heard of him again. Who knows where the hell what would have happened to him. And then you'd have to say, oh, Trump, let them be kidnapped. He left them to, to, to die. Why didn't he evacuate? Which is what it was. Trump evacuated these troops because for months we were trying to convince Erdogan, don't do this. Don't do this. The whole world was. And he did it anyway. We know that now. That's... The reporting, but they're not going to correct the record. A lot of Democrats are asking, is there anybody else? Uh, Hillary Clinton, according to two people close to her, has not ruled out jumping in herself. Wouldn't that be something? Hillary Clinton jumps in the presidential race. Hillary Clinton accusing Tulsi Gabbard of being a Russian agent working for the Russians. Isn't that the hip thing to accuse someone of that you disagree with. Oh, yeah, you're a Russian. You work for the Russians.
Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Tulsi Gabbard has a really interesting response. I think Hillary Clinton, uh, your foreign policy has been a disaster for our country and the world. It's resulted in the deaths and injuries of so many of my brothers and sisters in uniform. It's devastated entire countries, millions of lives lost, refugee crises, our enemy Al-Qaeda and ISIS strengthened. We've seen an increase in Iranian and Russian influence in the region. Turkey is emboldened. And we've seen an exacerbation of the problem of nuclear proliferation by overthrowing Gaddafi in Libya. Yet, despite this damage that you have done to our country and the world, you want to continue your failed policies directly or indirectly through the Democratic nominee. It's time for you to acknowledge the damage that you've caused. And it is long past time for you to step down from your throne so that the Democratic Party can lead with a new foreign policy. I love it. Step down from your throne. It's so right on the zeitgeist. We're sick of this Hillary Clinton warmongering neo-libcon trash. She might as well be best friends with Lindsey Graham and the rest of them that will commit us to sending endless amount of troops to fight the endless wars that all uh, re- revolve around desert wasteland. Uh, we have no business being there. We have no reason to be there. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I hope you are too. Tulsi Gabbard's sick of it. And you're saying, oh, well, I, I'm scared Tulsi Gabbard could uh, steal some Republican. She's not going to steal Republican votes from Trump, okay? So you're sitting out there. You're, you're worried that Tulsi Gabbard's going to make a run as a third-party candidate and steal votes away from, from Trump. But she's a, a lefty. Don't get me wrong, she's she's no neo-Libcon, but she's certainly uh, is not a threat to stealing Republican support, okay? That's the thing that Democrats don't understand. They think that she's a Republican herself, but you look at her policies, and it, it's not. It, it's not at all. It, just because Trump wants to get out of the Middle East doesn't make uh, that a right-wing issue. Getting out of the Middle East is an American issue, like I said, the neo-libcons versus the rest of us, so Tulsi Gabbard can be a friend. You don't have to vote for her. The enemy of your enemy is your friend. She's a friend. And we really have to wake up and boot out these neo-libcons out of office because they're going to keep us in the Middle East. They're going to bankrupt us. We can't afford it. But uh, the anxiety growing over the 2020 prospects, is there anybody else who's left? You know, Clinton's going to come in the race. Isn't that rich? But let's go over the uh, candidates. I have so much fun with this. You know, I love this, talking to you about politics and the candidates. It's so much funny talking about Biden, Bernie, and Warren. I think those are the top three. bleeding eye Biden. He's kind of a doofus, to be honest. You know, he got caught plagiarizing back in earlier on in, in one of his first presidential runs. Remember that? The whole plagiarizing incident? So he's not that smart. And he's not that politically savvy either because he makes these gaffes that, and he, he never really became a front-runner status uh, candidate because of that. Barack Obama turned him into that. So I, I don't know if that's a good place to put all your hope if you're a Democrat. And by the way, he's old. I mean, you don't call him bleeding eye Biden for nothing. Meanwhile, Bernie just got over a heart attack, so I don't see how that's viable. Now, he came out strong in the debate, and he's getting a lot of support. Michael Moore just came out. He's still drawing in the big crowds. He's a populist. 
And at the end of the day, Americans want a charismatic populist candidate. So don't count out Bernie, but the fact is you can't have a, you know heart attacks as president. And I don't see how an 80-year-old president's viable. He's going to be 82 by the end of his first term. I don't see how that works. Uh, Warren, meanwhile, is twitchy. She's so twitchy. But she has to be the de facto front runner if you count out Biden and Bernie, who are the 80-year-old candidates, uh, by the time they're in their first term. That doesn't work. So Warren, I guess by default, then becomes a front runner. But her policies are, are super liberal. People are worried that, you know, that she's too liberal, too much like Bernie. She's like the, the socialist Bernie, but without the populist support. So she doesn't have the groundswell of support that Bernie has. And I guess she's hoping and banking on the fact when Bernie drops out, then she'll get that support. Bernie might endorse Warren and the squad right, AOC and Ilhan Omar and the rest of the, the squad that endorsed Bernie, well, maybe they'll throw their support behind Warren, too, and maybe that'll be enough. But I'll tell you, she's not charismatic. She's twitchy. She's anxious. She got herself in a big pickle with the Native American thing, which isn't going to help her at all. If she was charismatic, she could talk her way out of it, but she's not. So she gets herself into these holes. But I do think she'll become the nominee. Warren, well, I don't see how it could be anybody else. You have Kamala Harris, quiet Camilla, I call her. She's quiet. I think she's on some kind of medication She they put her on before these debates. She looks loopy, really loopy before the debates. And so I wonder, I, I really thought Kamala Harris would do better. And I think she's really disappointed a lot of people. Buttigieg, meanwhile, he's rising in popularity. It seems like he's been rising in popularity forever, and then he kind of lowers in popularity, rises in popularity again. He's smart. He's politically savvy. He understands the zeitgeist. He gets it. The problem is he's kind of aloof. He's cold. I don't think he connects with people. There's that charisma word again. He's He's not that charismatic. He's certainly not a populist. And you look at all of our presidents, they're all populists, at least all the popular ones. That's what you want in a president, somebody you want to hang out with, someone you would enjoy spending time with. We demand that from our leadership in America. We demand a populist president. And those are the ones, at least, that are the most successful and most beloved. I don't think that's a Buddha judge. I think he's more of like a strategist. I wonder, is he like on the spectrum? If he has Asperger's maybe or something like that, because he just doesn't connect. And Klobuchar, uh, she's, I mean, I'm not even going to spend time wasting time on that. It's a, why, who supports Klobuchar? Why is she still in the race anyway? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Yang, though, I would look for Andrew Yang and Cory Booker. Those two are the sleeper candidates I would take a close eye on. If it, this may not be their year. But they are future pillars of the Democrat Party just because they are the populists. At least Andrew Yang is a populist. I wouldn't put Cory Booker in that same populist uh, camp. I would say Cory Booker is more of a balanced candidate. And for a Democrat, that is so rare to have a balanced candidate. A balanced personality on the left will serve them so well. Beto O'Rourke, meanwhile, they call him Beto, but his last name is O'Rourke. So what is he? Is he Hispanic or is he Irish? He's just a hate, hateful, hateful person. People are accusing Tulsi Gabbard of being a Russian agent. I would take a look at Beto O'Rourke being a Russian agent for 
all his claims of how racist America is just the racist country, the most racist country in America. This is the only thing coming out of Beto. He was obviously um, really a lot of America hating in Beto. So I know it's fashionable on the far left, but you got to be kind of reserved about it, Beto. You're not supposed to be so explicit about your America hating attitude. Steyer, yeah. in California, we see nonstop commercials from Tom Steyer, the billionaire, saying, impeach Trump, impeach Trump. And of course, now that was all just a ploy to run for president himself. You know, all these guys are just on it, you know, their own self-interest. That's what I hate about it. And that's why I think maybe you like Trump. Because he came in there, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to pay for this candidacy myself. I'm not going to take any special interest money. Like, it all sounded so good. And a lot of what he's done is really good. But I think there's also a big disillusionment in that he came into power and he became just a politician like everybody else. And what are we going to do to avoid that situation in the future? Maybe we put too much hope in our president. Maybe we have to put more hope in our uh, entirety of our system and the constitutional republic that we have and the system our founding fathers set up for us. And uh, yeah, love our presidents and support our presidents, but also understand that the founding fathers really developed something quite miraculous, a way to sustain um, democratic movement and ideals uh, through uh, centuries. And we're so lucky to have that. Now, um, okay, this is super exciting. I want to end on a scientific breakthrough that has just come out. Google has claimed quantum supremacy. What can we do with this? Well, basically hack, uh, break codes, break encryption codes. Because uh, this claim, which has since, I guess, disappeared, um, but there, it was a claim made by Google scientists, they had achieved this quantum supremacy uh, that they can basically do a calculation that would otherwise take, I think they claimed like 10,000 years to do. There's some contention and some saying, oh, maybe they haven't done this. Like IBM is also working on a quantum computer and they say, wait, wait a minute. I don't know if Google claims are, are, are right on this. So there's some mystery as to what really has been achieved. But if... If this was achieved, quantum supremacy, and if, if this kind of um, technology has been perfected, or, or if it can be perfected, essentially what it means is any encryption can be broken. We have that capability uh, to do a calculation in a couple minutes that would take a normal computer thousands of years, perhaps. That's the promise. Whether or not it's been achieved, some people are claiming it. And we'll have to see. We'll have to wait. Quantum mechanics, quantum entanglement, and quantum physics is some of the most fascinating uh, mysteries. We really don't understand it. We don't understand why it works, but we know it does. If it didn't work, your cell phone wouldn't work. If it didn't work, the quantum computers that uh, Google's working on, that IBM's working on, that the Chinese are working on, they wouldn't work, but they do. And it's so weird. I encourage you to look into it if you don't believe in magic. If you need some magic in your life, well, look no further than the science behind quantum mechanics. Kingston Country. You've been listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. 